0: Welcome to episode number 8 of the Voices of Boyle podcast. Today's guest is David O'Rourke, who a lot of you may know as Marcus Links O'Rourke on Facebook. David grew up in Boyle and he moved to Atlone when he was 19, where he remains to this day, although he still comes home every few weeks to visit family and friends. I hadn't spoken to David in person in 10 years, so I was really looking forward to our chat today. In this episode... David takes us on a small trip down memory lane and speaks about a variety of topics and subjects, all relating to Boyle, that have had a major impact on shaping his personal life. So I hope you enjoy the episode, and let's get into it. Good afternoon everyone and you're welcome to another episode of the Voices of Boyle podcast. Today I'm joined by David O'Rourke, who a lot of you will already know from around town. David has kindly travelled from Athlone this morning, especially to join us. So David, thanks very much for making the effort to join. So to start things off, David, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you were born and growing up on boy back in the early days?
1: Thanks, Carla, Thanks for having me here. I was born in 4th February 1976 in Hollisage Hospital in Dublin, around the time the the 76th my mum had moved away to a mother and baby home in in County Mead and uh, when, she, when she was due, when I was due she was born I was brought into uh, Dublin and uh, within a couple of days uh, I, my aunt Laura and my grandmother law her, they travelled up to Dublin and uh, I was brought back to Boyle and uh, I was uh, christened um, strangely enough Marcus O'Rourke but we to that a few minutes time, whatever the case may be but I was christened um, and um move back to the old houses I call it on the French Park Road, do stops of Flanagan field there and um I start by saying there was no proper sanitary conditions in the house and uh, the house was consisted of myself, my mum, um, my aunt Pauline, my um uncle Chris and my mum Bridget of course. And in nineteen seventy seven Doric was born, so he was living there for for a while. Um, I've fond memories of the, the old houses, like still call yeah. it, and at that point, the them um, would have been memories from seventy eight, seventy nine, 79, and coming into the 80s. And 1980 all changed for me when I started going, 1980, when I started going to school in the Conference National School here in Boyle, and um. I may not mention this before, but um, a relation of yours, Carol, I think your aunt is, is Una Byrne. Oh, yes. She was my first teacher, and um, I Una had a great rapport with the, us as students, and the students she used to bring us on picnics to the riverbank, and the, she, play, she played accordion as well. That's right. And I remember her playing the wheels on the bus go round.
0: <laughs> That's right. Yes.
1: Uh, so that was um. That was eighty eighty one, and uh, Derek had joined me. Derek, my cousin Derek, Pauline's son, had joined me in school at the time. My first memory of the day itself that I started school, I was a bit sceptical about singing, so I ran away from the classroom. But, <laughs> but my mum and my aunt brought me back and um, managed to catch you. Managed to catch me. <laughs> so that was. Um, Junior infants. Senior infants came along to uh, I think it was Miss Sharon that was our teacher and then first class the Holy Communion year, Miss McHugh and what else can I say?
0: So that was in the boy the boy the the school in Boyle, but you didn't go to national school, was it in Boyle? Then you would have did you go to you weren't in I'm just trying to think did you go to Grange
1: but before I went to Grange I was at St Joseph's National School there in, in Abbeytown. Town yes, for a while Yeah, and then
0: you went to Grange
1: I went to Grange, Grange. Like, um, I was up to fourth class in 1987 I think it was and after a while I got to know certain students because they had moved to Grange as well Cousin Derek had moved to Grange as well and Paul Flaherty had moved there mm-hmm. and um, other students at the time when Paul McGarry uh, Marcus Jackson Joanne
0: Yes. Were they all at Grange as well? Yeah, Dr- Grange was a s-
1: strange setup because it consisted of only two classrooms and there was roughly 31, 32 pupils. So you had Miss um, Layden, which she would teach, junior infants, senior infants, first class and second class. And then Aaron Purry would teach uh, uh, third class, fourth class, fifth class and sixth right. class. He was so the headmaster. He was the yeah.
0: headmaster, yeah. I didn't know there was only two classrooms. Yeah, either, yeah. and we used to... it was a small little
1: it's only a yeah. it's only a national school I think it was 1907 it was built I could be wrong but there was a book released f- f- um, about 10-15 years ago um, uh, about the history of Greenwich National School and there's certain poems and there's certain stories in this and mm. it gave us an anthology of um, up to school and, and pupils year by year who was in it so I had the book myself but I was just trying to find out where it is at the moment other than that then. That was, that was Grange, and um, previous Grange, as I was saying, there was the Justice National School there in Abbeytown. Um, Michael Carty. Ma- Ma- Michael Carty, yeah. Michael Carty was the headmaster. And as far as I recall, it was Miss tonroe and Miss Tandy, they were the teachers in, in third and fourth class. And
0: Jack Fallon in the Jack fifth Jack Fallon, fifth class, yeah. Fifth, yes, that's right.
1: And yeah. um, I've. I slightly rebelled to a small degree back in you know, when I was in the boys' school because I got my ear pierced, and, right. um, which would have been yeah, a big thing back then, I suppose. It b- Would in have been a big thing back then, but it wasn't really uh, wasn't really allowed, and um, in the school, so uh, I decided to move to Grange instead because uh, I, I I took out the earring and you know, I was moved up to Grange. Like Grange. Um, I've used Memories of Grange like um, Christmas Play like n- different points from the library venues come along and um, um, what else we got? Uh, obviously our injections for uh, Rubella and to get mm. them to the school as well. Yeah. But then... The strange thing about the, the school is, is, is like like be living in a house because the, the headmaster Eamon Purry he used to have a little shop where you could buy copies, pens, or whatever he guess you need to have. And also every morning he would buy the Irish Independent, and the Irish Independent was um full of facts. And one part of the Irish Independent had a. An arrangement of temperatures for worldwide cities so what happened there we're all given a city I had Brussels hmm. and he read out the temperature of the Brussels for Tuesday write that down say so it was say it's 13 degrees might yeah. be more at the moment write down 13 degrees and east day we'd write in the temperature service, and then average it out at the end of the month and to see what the average temperature was for Brussels or somebody else might have London, Belfast, New York, whatever the case may be. But I'm sure the way the climate's going at the moment, it's hotter in Brussels than it was yeah. back back <laughs> then.
0: Yeah, and so that was kind of your early, early days at school and then in those days, did you have any local jobs around town or were you working locally you know doing um,
1: few, I would have been only, only 11, 12 at that time so yeah. um, at the time probably about 13, 14 mm. I would have um, worked with local farmers like bringing the, the hay um, probably maybe around um, I'd say 12 there was a man there known to the town Christy Brady who used to run of Bog up there in uh, Kingsland yes. So what uh, been arranged with himself there? My uncle Shaney would come to that later on. Shaney and Chris and myself would save the turf, and for him and he would save Ron. He uh, given us as well, so he'd be kind enough to bring the turf back to the, the back to the new house. Would have been at the time because the new house at the time was a it was just up the hill from the old house yeah. so that was started Been built in 1984 and moved into that then in September 1985 so it t- was a great um stepping stone for myself because obviously it had um washing facilities and toilets yeah. and, and yeah. the like the 80s and the, the late 70s were different times oh
0: here. of course yeah like people probably you know you, we don't appreciate, I think, maybe what what we have now, as opposed to as you said back in the seventies and eighties, when you know mm-hmm. it wasn't in abundance like we as we have it now. You're right there, Dev. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: well, as I was saying there, um, I moved to uh, Saint Mary's Secondary School. That's what, yeah, in 1989 after I made my confirmation and um does a whole different ball game for myself because we'd have different teachers for different subjects like likes of, uh, Frank Thibnall for Spanish um, Paula Walsh t- Pink Irish. Paula Irish exactly yeah, yeah. Um, Francis blending in his to scenes, since science yeah, yeah. and same, um
0: because you were only two years uh, ahead of me so I would have had them same teachers mm-hmm. um for maths I had Tommy Conlon that's right yeah he probably had Don, I had Don Conlon Don yeah. Conlon. okay yeah. yeah so um yeah, We had the same basic teachers back then, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I suppose for you coming from the previous school where one teacher taught multiple subjects, mm-hmm. now you were faced with like having single subjects taught by a single teacher, so yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I enjoyed uh, St. Mary's at the beginning, but things started to progress, the homework started to get a bit harder, yeah. And the unfortunate thing about my mum, she her reading and write is not the best, so I couldn't really get any help from yeah. her. Writing. So um I started to lose interest in school as well but and um back to the job scenario, um I decided to move to, to Sligo to, to them um, a program run by Foss in um, to down the St Annes in Sligo and that was studying um woodwork, uh, art, um some acting skills, some cooking and after a while I left that then at the time, I was going through um, personal problems with yeah. regards to my mental health and the fact that I was. Uh, and was
0: that a, did you spend long down on Sligo? There?
1: I spent about maybe three to four months. Yeah. And um, I came back and it was uh, worked around um, Boyle in terms of um, Betterwear. I don't know if you've ever heard of Betterwear. Yeah. It was an English company, which Derek at the time had decided to um, come on board with himself. So we. Distribute the catalogues and we call back to the houses a couple of days later and see was a complete order sheet. But luckily,
0: oh yes, the kind of there's there's a few modern versions of that I think nowadays or there were anyway. Um, I can't remember the names of the companies, but yeah, they they drop off catalogues mm. especially around bef- before Christmas and people would then get their Christmas kind of orders in. The, mm. you, you know, I think there was I can't remember the names of the companies.
1: The, well, it was Celtic Campers I think was one of them, and then right. Marvellous Trust I think was another one.
0: Yeah, maybe. That wasn't the one I was thinking of, but yeah, but it's the same premise. Yeah. Same premise, yeah. yeah. So Dur- Dur- Derek was doing that and you came on board, did you for a while with that with him? Yeah, we yeah.
1: started um the catalogs in Boyle and Balladrine and luckily enough um, there was a friend of uh, Derek's mum there, he used to drive and he'd bring us with the, the goods when they, were there, when they were delivered to um, his house in Lugget Avenue and we'd bring just argue, say we we just say Doctor Jones needs um, a new egg turner and yeah. maybe whatever the case is. So he, he put that down in the orgies in the catalog. Yes. And after a few days, that arrived. We bring him and um, <laughs> he'd pay he'd pay whatever cost, and we'd um, get a commission on what the what the sales of the object was.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, and, and the Derek also do. I remember. Back in the when my mum had the chipper, well, Derek used to deliver bread, I think. Uh, did he do a bread run or something as well? Back, this would have been in maybe late 90s, yeah, early 2000s. That's
1: right, yeah. yeah. Um, well, Derek at the moment, he's living in County Kildare um, and he's married to a girl up there with two beautiful kids. Mm. He's still involved in the bread run, but this time he's with Brendan's. Ah, so the he's time, still involved in that. Okay, that's yeah, interesting. he does a franchise with um Brilliant. But at the time, he, he was working for Irish Pride and um, they delivered, uh, well, he, with in turn him, he would deliver the bread to local supermarkets, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, Irish Pride, with, um, their bakery is based in me but I know all this from um, my days, let uh, loan working in Super Value.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, because uh, I do always remember that, and I didn't know then, were you involved with him in that business back then, or that was... No, um, I, um,
1: to some degree, from 93 onwards, I, I, I was working with Mrs. Fury in 93, just 17, there I was, uh, Miss Miss Fury out in Felton, Nora Fury, she used to own a farm, and um I don't know if anybody remembers her. She used to deliver the milk to, to town each morning. Her husband was sunny. And uh, so she was an elderly woman. So I used to clean out the sheds, feed the cattle and take in, take in deliveries for her. Like when she'd order, I would say, with like super value or she might need um, some milk or bread. So she tell me the night before what she needed. And then when I come into work the next day, I bring it bring in it to in. her.
0: Yeah. And I remember you telling me as well, a while ago, about um, yourself and Dirk used to collect call cards.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: That's an interesting little gig. Tell us a bit about that.
1: Well, call cards now are obsolete at the yeah, moment, and um, at the time we well, Dirk used them. Would do it more so on a uh, professional status because it was a call cards collectors club, and in Sligo you could buy call cards that, that were um, still up to scratch like in terms of to have the same units we just give an example there there was horse arrest in the Ireland which is 10 unit call cards. so that 10 units which one unit would be something equivalent to 20 pence at the time yeah. so um, I used to go around the phone boxes and see if there was any left behind and right. then collect them but these be used but there was one particular time when there was a 50 unit call cards, which was um, uh, I found in the um, phone box in uh, beside the clinic. Also, oh, yes, I remember it. Also, yeah, one sixty-one five seven was the number of was trying to ring it back. But
0: how the- do you remember that number? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's some boy for the the day, take.
1: Oh yeah, well, um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I I got the call card. I think there's 37 units
0: they left on it. I can't remember what I. I and you were able to then get, re- get reimbursed for them unused units, or did you sell them to someone else? I'm I mainly collected them like. Okay.
1: To, but Derek uh, was selling them to um and another person in, in Dublin, like in it's all a collection. Like basically, he had it's roads 1994, I think it was.
0: That's yeah, I do remember there was different team uh, like,
1: collections. Yeah, it, it was everything from Jacobs across the Bondex across to um, Carlos Cornflakes. It's it was a nice um, implement at the time yeah. to have.
0: And not only are the cards obsolete now, but sort of post. There's no exactly, yeah, exactly. So it it just shows that whole industry basically is now obsolete, exactly. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Um, so and so you are potentially, if 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 they were being sold back to someone, how would you, how would that person know if you were giving them a card, just say back then, how would you be able to validate that there was maybe three pounds worth of credit on this? Was there a way of validating that, or would they have to go into an actual phone boot, put it in? And see if there was credits coming up on the screen. That's how.
1: Yeah, they inserted back into the slot. In, yeah. But the, the ones that Derek was selling would have been mint still, still in the packaging. And come, uh, I I actually got the catalog once from from Telecom in Sligo, and I was going to start buying some of the some of the cold cars from from Sligo. But uh, I just mainly doing it as a hobby. But um, I think Derek was doing it as a slight investment to some yeah. small degree.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he obviously had a bit of a an entrepreneurial spirit about him, Derek, back then. You know, a bit before, you know, his time in terms of a lot of other people wouldn't have been thinking along those same lines. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, growing up, obviously, in, in Boyle back in those days, do you have any favourite, you know, childhood memories? Like, uh, I spoke to a lot of the other guests on the episodes and, you know things stand out for them would be the, the gala festival, mm-hmm. maybe the hot air balloons. What would be your kind of thoughts or memories of them old days, David? Well, I'll
1: have a lot of memories with the old days. One point you mentioned there was the hot air balloons down in La and And um, unfortunately, never got the opportunity to go up into one. But the point is, they go in different directions. They might go towards Coot Hall or Kingsland. Depending on the wind exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's the fields that, that have to land in, and then um, so the the farmer itself would have to come out and open gates for the for the jeeps and the trailer to come in to land. And then once the balloon had landed, then they'd obviously be all packed up again. That's one point. Um, there's other points. Then I remember from Christy Winds that I used to have. Um, have you ever heard of a spud gun?
0: I do. Had many of them. Especially growing up in a chipper, I had plenty of spud going there
1: Plenty of spuds to go along <laughs> exactly, with <it>. Exactly, <laughs>
0: exactly. Well,
1: that, that was one of implements that I got from Christy Wins. Yeah, um, anybody remember Marvels? Oh,
0: yeah. The mm. Shanleys would be the, the the top dogs around town, I remember, for, that, uh, for those, Danny uh, and Tony Shanley. Oh,
1: yeah, definitely, did. like, the we, uh, when I say we, myself, Dorothy, and the other lads would hung around on Plunkett Avenue because... I started to hang around Plunkett Avenue because I was living on my own at this stage, well apart from my mum and uh, my uncle in the new house, which we moved into September '85. But to go back to the friends element, there we used to play marbles there in, uh, into the potholes there in, in Plunket Avenue. Yes. No, number twenty six, where lived, in. so Plunkett Avenue was like a second home for me. It was. Yeah,
0: of course. Yeah, yeah. You would have had a lot of friends as well from Dan, Dan. Down that area as well over the years, yeah. Um, so that was um, that was one of your kind of memories. And do you remember? I suppose there was the Nissan Classic.
1: Nissan and Classic, yeah. I was still in range at the time, and the nineteen eighty seven would have been the eleven. I
0: think I think it was actually, I think it was actually nineteen eighty eight. I think it was September nineteen eighty eight. I think I'm 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 I think it was eighty eight. And now someone listening to this could correct us and say we're completely wrong, both of us, but. It it was definitely eighty seven or eighty eight. So yeah, the, both, yeah.
1: We all got the day off school there. I was still going to Grange at this point, and huge um, excitement around the town. There was like you had know, Sean Kelly, Stephen Roach, um, Olaf Ludwig, um, different cyclists like were renowned cyclists coming yeah. to the town. The the stage itself I think it was from was it from Dublin to Sligo and um it was and um, then those grandstands set up in the town and yeah
0: and had to go up of the curlews. Up oh, the curlews, yeah. And I think it was a German that ended up winning that stage in Boyle. I can't remember his name. Was it,
1: it wasn't Olaf Ludwig, was it?
0: I think I think it started with Rolf. I think Rolf. I had, I,
1: Rolf. Um, I think
0: I think his first name was Rolf. Now it could be wrong, but I do know it was a German that won that stage. So uh, again, someone listening to it might <laughs> comment in the in Facebook or whatever with the um, with the real winner. But um, yeah, so the, that was actually pretty cool. I do remember that as well myself. The the, the Nissan Classic, the town was
1: waged exactly. Yeah. You
0: know, I, you know, massive crowds.
1: And it would have been there on the crescent as well. The bands, the grandstands, and the bandstands. like the, um, your 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 mum's shipper was just across the road from us, yeah, and that's like right. and yeah. um, and o- other memories I have like the of um the late 9, nine ten maybe coming up to early teenage years. Yeah, um, I used to go to the bingo clubs. And boy, bingo and Boyle and bingo and Valley Moors. Um, some of the listeners might know where T is. Uh yeah. just outside French Park. He used to go there and play bingo on on some occasions like it's, it's good old crack Was it
0: always in the was it still in the Saint Joseph's St- Hall mm-hmm. back then? Yeah, right. still,
1: but Saint Joseph's has changed now to, 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 to all a seating area in comparison to the when I say seating, the the shares were put down and taken back up again and stacked up. Okay. And yeah.
0: back back then.
1: Yeah, and Martin Candon and and Willie Tiernan called the numbers. I, they
0: call in, I, I do remember, I think I went to bingo as well a couple of times when I was younger, but I do remember Willie Tiernan mm-hmm. um, calling the numbers back then. Yeah. And growing up, was there any other sporting, major sporting events that would have um, kind of, you can recall that you were very interested in
1: well I heard the name before Scalacci oh, yes yes
0: <laughs> 1990
1: World Cup in Italy of course I was only 14 at the time and hanging around was um um Brendan Cherokee and we I said we'd have been too young to go to the pubs like and watch the matches in the pubs so watch them watch them at home and I decorated my own room with, with basically all the all the different posters and then yeah. made up a table of all the different matches and um but we've watched and like the the most exciting time I remember was of course when um Tomafter versus Bonner and then oh yes uh, the, David O'Leary David exactly winter. yeah and we um, watched the house up at my mum's house in Sand Hill. And uh, afterwards the excitement oh, we, right. started, we started running out the door, running around the house like and it was a different a different setup for Ireland like it was. A, apart from like the '88 when great Jack Charlton brought uh, Ireland to to, to Germany. Germany. Stuttgart Ger- beating the English. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Ray Houghton with the header.
0: Exactly, yeah. Yeah, they were great times. Oh, unfortunately, stop. you know, it's a shame that since two thousand and two we haven't been in a, a major, you know, World Cup since. since. You know, it's such a shame. But that—that's one point as well. As a young fella growing up, I don't know if you would have had. Um, speaking of Christie wins, I used to go down and collect. At the time, it was called. It was the Obus World Cup sticker collection. So it was a, a special edition, a World Cup Italia '90 edition. I, a lot of fellas our age would remember this, but. Uh, I used to collect the stickers. I'm not sure. Did you collect any stickers back well, then? Well,
1: that's going to lead us into a complete new story. Have you got a half an hour, have
0: you? We <laughs> can shorten it down. <laughs> but yeah.
1: Basically, Panini was the company involved, and yeah. they had a folder. And each week, you, you collect uh, a piece, like everything from the stadiums, across the previous World Cups, across to... Um, points of history like great players gone by Pele Jeff Hurst Rivellino um, Ronaldo wasn't around at the time but there was um, Romario Romario I remember him yeah and so basically I used to collect that down in Frankie Fiennes McDonald's news Age when it was open at the time and uh, I I could say uh, if you want to have a look at it I can give it to you yeah
0: I'd be interested in seeing that because you know they're, they're really childhood memorabilia oh yeah you know. definitely i don't know where my collection is but i wish i did because mm. um again very strong childhood memories you definitely yeah. up. and it was one of the things for me remembering uh christy wind shop it was such a magical place collecting every week a magazine that he had an order for mm-hmm. us you know nowadays all that stuff is just like Nearly obsolete in a yeah, way, because exactly, everything's yeah. online. Exactly. You know, yeah. But uh,
1: well, Tristy like had a lot of different stuff down there, like in terms of fishing rods, and um, I think yeah, he actually did done the bullets for guns for fronters as well.
0: I think he did. Yeah, he definitely had the fishing tackle and all yeah. that down the back. Uh, I do remember that. And
1: the Spanish sweets, of course.
0: Course, and you had Phil and you had Teresa uh, working the down there as well. Uh, Phil Phil Byrne and Teresa Meliti.
1: Yeah that's right there
0: was, uh, yeah there were sisters which I uh, the I remember them as well as young father going well, in there
1: that's that's a spark of memory of to them who remembers Bob Fears, Peter Phelan's, Murray Artis, they're all Dons, gone from the town. Remember Don's? Oh, definitely. Down the London, the, yeah. the two pool tables and uh, yeah. certain machines. At the you know, time back R-K then, it was, H- the,
0: it was the big competitor to Bob's. If you remember, yeah, exactly. Because it yeah. was only Bob's, and then you had Don's come along, yeah. with the the pool table aspect of it, mm-hmm. and you know. But uh, yeah, there as you said, all of them are gone. Like it's 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 well There
1: was a room there, but and you might remember D.H. Brooks, did you?
0: Oh, I do, I do, yeah. Um, the bank of Ireland,
1: yeah. There's, um, there's a little alleyway there in there. There was a, there was an arcade games. Um,
0: it, it, it started up for I don't know. It only lasted a couple of months. That's I right, think. yeah. I just don't think there was any. There was any uh, much interest in it. No. I don't think, and that's a sad thing as well. It shows the the sign of the times that, like, the, when we were young, obviously you're out rolling into the muck, mm-hmm. you're out playing video games and yeah. and all this, and obviously the, the the generation of these days they don't do that. You know, they're they're at home playing playstations and stuff, and that that's just the progression of it.
1: You pro- you probably yourself would have um, different. Um, consoles like the Commodore 64. That was
0: my first computer, the Commodore yeah. 64. Loved it. Absolutely and loved it. And the Amiga 500 after that.
1: Yeah. But and remember the, do you remember the ZX Spectrum, no?
0: I remember the Spectrum. I didn't have it, but I do yeah. remember yeah.
1: And the most notable thing in your mum's chipper, little chick there... She, she had outrun them oh
0: yes i do remember that yeah i do remember that <laughs> and and sometimes there'd be a queue just to play the bloody thing oh yeah you know they were great days though mm, like
1: oh definitely like bubble bobble and all that
0: bubble bobble yeah <laughs> great great uh, great memories um so so you you're you're currently in that loan that's right that's yeah. right. because you, you came down this morning uh for it when did you move there
1: I moved up in May 8th, 1995 95? 95, yeah I was 19 at the time
0: Oh right, you were gone a long time Yeah
1: But uh, I remember it was a Sunday afternoon Glorious sunny weather And um, I started to listen to BBC Radio 1 and recording the Ascension mixes, but the reason why I'm saying this because I used to have a walkman at the time, mm. and I had the tape with me, so I was listening on the way up to wholeway to Lawn. uh snap's Ascension mix from uh 19, 19, sorry nineteen ninety five and the next day I was delighted myself completely when I moved to welonen I lived in thirty seven beach park, and uh basically they Landlady of the house, originally from Cood Hall, Margaret Eagle was her name, and she um, used to give us the food or whatever the case is. We pay X a month for the week, but the most enjoyable factor for me behind the house was the telecom tower. Now, what's telecom miren called? Them air, isn't it? I think air, air. I think, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like there was telecom miren tower because it was a switchboard in in one premises beside it. So that allowed me to get the BBC Radio One on the FM dial because the signal strength was stronger because the, the mast was picking up the frequency somewhere to some degree and at the time on the Monday after I moved to that loan I was listening to RAV the there VE there in England but they decided to make it R A V the Rave Day. so you had the lights of um um who had we know Blue Peter, Paul Oglefold, um, Carl Cox, different DJs. Mickey Mack was he or was that? Mickey Mack was on 2FM, 2FM. 2FM, 2FM and he used to play his set on every Saturday night, I think it was from 8 to 10. And he brought, um, you wouldn't remember the Fourth Dimension, yeah. and he would brought the Fourth Dimension uh, to the limelight. The, um, uh, you probably remember the classic, the Fourth Dimension track Storm. Yes, I do. Yeah. is uh, been big dancing song. to us. Yeah, big tune at that. Yeah. Um
0: so why so so you're you're currently living at you never uh, moved, su- you never moved
1: back. I did move back from about 2014 to 2018. I was living in Boyle here. Right. But then my daughter is in Athlone. Okay. So I managed to get um I get a house in in, in Athlone. And um my daughter she's leaving her at the moment. So I want to... We around her oh, and... And we... we like, different memories for her, like... Growing up in Athlone, obviously you mentioned the point about the console, like... Everything's online at the moment, playing games mm-hmm. like... Um, like Minecraft and different games like that. Yeah. But uh, Athlone, after... Initially why I went up to Athlone, because I was doing a force course in Gary Castle and... I had a huge interest in art at the time, beach graphic design. So I wanted to go along and try and get the certificates to try and obtain to a course in graphic design. And but that was in Athlone? That was in Athlone, right. yeah. I
0: was Because I was going to ask you, why, why Athlone? What was the attraction of going to Athlone?
1: Um, well, basically at the time, there was a woman who helped me out and she um, got to arrange the interview in Gary Castle and I moved up there. But I hadn't got um adequate the, um, education to, in terms of my leaving cert to pursue the course in graphic design. Okay. I was also into in computers and that led me into uh, at Lone Community Workshop which is in Lister Street at Lone anybody that knows Lister Street knows beside the Dean Crow Theatre and so the few years there I was um, learning Lots of bits and pieces, bits and pieces but yeah. computer applications and spreadsheets, eggs, and data processing, and obviously word processing, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and did you did you continue on doing anything with those after the initial kind of course you were doing, or did you just, as you said, you maybe you didn't have the correct qualifications they needed? Did it just fall by the wayside then, David, and you just kind of went on with life after that? Um,
1: well, it was on till. Move alongside work experience. I got them um, one day a week work experience in. in so at the time was Crown Centra at uh, sorry Crown Supervalue. Value. Yes. in And at Lone. so I was doing the work experience there every Wednesday, and um, the manager James Dungan he said to me, "Is your job coming up there on Saturdays and Sundays? Would it be interested in taking it?" So I was doing the the five days in Force, and I was doing the two days in Super Value. Um and it was busy, very busy back then in SuperValu because there was no, there was no little noality not not Tesco, but you had um, a, a Quinsworth.
0: Quinsworth, yeah, that's right. Quinsworth again. That's that was, I think that was merged into Tesco. Wasn't that's it? That's right, yeah. Yeah, that's the, the blast from the past. All right, Quinsworth, have, they were everywhere. Yeah, um, um so. You obviously have a huge interest in music. Oh, I definitely. Think yeah. That's why I, I, anyone on Facebook would have would know that. But interestingly enough, your name on Facebook is Marcus Lynx or Rourke. <laughs> so I was interested. Now you did mention at the start you were christened Marcus. Yeah. But where, what, what's the Lynx, or where is the what's the significance of Lynx, or where did that come from?
1: Well, the significance of Lynx is. Um, anytime somebody's talking about something, I was just like that click the finger and I'd know something attached to us straight away so ah, somebody right. started calling me Lynx Marcus came into effect to us I was baptised Marcus and um, a lot of people would know me as David because um, basically um, I don't think the family liked the name Marcus and where it came from but they started calling me David so a lot of people like so your mum etc uh, etc et certain school friends like would have went to school would obviously know me as, as davis yeah and
0: uh, i would have always known you as david i'd never heard of marcus and then mm-hmm. when i saw your name was marcus uh on on facebook i was mm-hmm. like there must be a maybe a an alter ego name or something <laughs> but there is also another name you go by on facebook which is dj frank Malloy. So tell us a bit about that because that's interesting as well, I think.
1: Right, DJ Frank Malloy, um, is a fictional DJ from Galway. I was involved with Shannon Storytellers at, at, um, a couple of years back and basically it's, it's a short story group and we come together and there's certain meetings, I think it's the third Thursday of every month we meet up and we can read a story from a book or some of the points in write a story. So... I came up with this um, character and decided to um, write a story about him, and that was put into a book, Shannon Storyteller's uh, Creative Anthology, so it's the first story in, in the book there, and um, I'm also involved in poetry in the park, uh, in that lawn. so I write a bit I've of poetry. S-
0: yeah, I've s- and I've seen you reading some of that poetry on yeah. Facebook as well. Uh, And that's interesting. So another question, which I I think this is kind of funny as well, is because in some of your, when you're doing the Frank Malloy kind of twists, you have a mask on. (laughs) And that's, where did the mask originate from, or what's the significance of that? Because it's priceless. Like anyone that hasn't seen it would uh, think of what's going on here. (laughs) But it is very funny, I think. Mm. I do. I I think it is a good little twist.
1: I think about the mask in that loan, like um, the reason why it came to me as People haven't seen the mask, but people that have saw it will know there's a huge smile from Frank Malloy. So, in terms of, um, I became Frank Malloy because I'm happier with life at the moment. Like, and there's, a, there's a a large smile from yeah. um, myself. Um, I I might, if it's possible, drift back slightly to sure. it, when it was in the workshop. There, there was a time in. 1997, just past my 21st at um, Lung Community Workshop, I was um, still a trainee and the local convent had decided they were going to offer a trip for two people to go to Champot in France, which is just about 50 kilometres south of Paris. So I was chosen, was another lad and... Um, Basically, we went to Champot, we spent a bit of time in Paris, but the reason why I bring this on board, on the last day of the the, the holiday, we were all around the Eiffel Tower, and I wrote words in chalk on the Trocadero, use your illusions for one day your dreams become reality. Mm-hmm. So I brought I that phrase, phrase inside my head when I was creating DJ Frank Malloy, and um, I... I have the story on Facebook as well in um, an alter shade of words it's basically um, no sorry my apologies there it is yeah sorry it is an alter shade of words yeah. okay. uh, and the storyline is there with several poems the so,
0: so that's that. That's where the the DJ Frank Malloy kind of. That's where DJ. Yeah.
1: I, well, I've also like spent time in a local radio station in that low on community based objective, okay. where I had so two. Sl-
0: yeah, and you learned probably a few tricks and stuff. Oh yeah, like that. definitely yeah. yeah. And uh, obviously, that's something that you'd like to pursue as well going forward. I'd say you have a huge interest in in music your your knowledge of the the trans techno house scene mm-hmm. would be second to none i'm sure um you know i i know over the years you would have sent me bits and pieces clips here and there of different tracks that would again spark memories of mm-hmm. my days mm-hmm. in college and you know it's great to it's great to relive those memories as well
1: oh definitely like music is uh it's it's it enhances the brain so much, like we all become so happy when we find a favourite track of ours. Absolutely, like. yeah. And like, like, even in terms there, when he mentions about going to uh, when I was 17, going to Mohill, going to Caracas going to different concerts, like uh, you probably remember Scooter, do you?
0: I do, I was only listening to him there the other day.
1: <laughs> but Back in the early days of his, his um, his, Journey in dance music it was um the first album I bought for his was bought in in um the record room in Sligo. And it's called um and the beat goes on. Yes.
0: That's...
1: Uh, but the tr- the, um, the track which scared me all off towards that was called Raspberry D and E and I mentioned BBC Radio One. I used to listen to another DJ on BBC Radio One called Danny Rampling Danny Rampling would have a show on Saturday from 7 to 9 the Love Group Dance Party and on that basis he played Scooter Raspberry D and I suddenly fell in love with the sound of this so I thought to myself I must go down to Sligo and see can I get the album like on the album you have other tracks like Waiting for Spring in the Summer um, and yeah, The Summer was a big one oh right? yeah big time oh, especially Hyper Hyper as well yeah, I Move Your Ass
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> He, they, they were brilliant. Like I mean, obviously, a lot of the younger generation today wouldn't probably even heard a scooter. No, they think this music is crazy. Mm-hmm. But for us, of course, it was it was our it was our day as as young fellas.
1: So, well, back to it, loan and that the, the, the two links are attached. Well, hence the links. But you, you were asking the question about links, but still getting the answer, I suppose. So, to some degree, music links meet a different. Um, if I, You know, like, if you go on to a YouTube and you put in a track, some of the um, YouTube things you want to hear another track linked to it. But that led me to find out so much about music, like in terms of I'm going to be doing another mix on Saturday morning and um, in terms of I, I got to know Scala Calanchi Brothers. There are uh, an orchestra, with, uh, with basically about fifty seven girls singing songs, and um, th- um, Scala plays the keyboard as far as yeah. I'm aware of. But anyway,s that's that's hence back to Atlone. I'm working at the moment in a, in Atlone and things go okay. going great. Ah,
0: that's brilliant. And you also ha- you also do uh, is it a mixed cloud or Mi- mixed cloud? Yeah, mixed cloud. Yeah. So you have a. I can. I I link to that as well right. in, the, in the show notes in the blog post so if anyone wants to mm-hmm. check that out but yeah it's a good way kind of to do a bit of your own kind of creative expression of your music and uh, that you listen to and do you have any other musical genres that you listen to or is it kind of the same techno trans house is there anything else that you would
1: well I l- listen to Bruce Springsteen uh, everything across the is blur pulp um U2 um list goes on it does like in terms of um I even listen to a bit of Mozart. in that, that Well, when I say Mozart,
0: that's probably... Classical. Classical, exactly, yeah, I, I'm yeah. the same, believe it or not. My two of my favourite types of musical genre would be classical and then your kind of trans-techno, which is a kind of the opposite side of the coin, but uh, it's not that uncommon for people to like those two musical genres. No, like,
1: in uh, probably the reason why I, I liked um, so much uh, classical music was when I was going to Greenwich National School, be in the mornings. Um, Evan Purry will put on the uh, put on a collection of Mozart to and let let it hear us hear. I'm not too sure how we were playing it. Like it probably was cassettes back then, because um, even I I have a few cassettes left at the moment, but different um, recordings from the radio. And but it, we were. saying back then like classical music it's so empowering for the brain
0: it is absolutely the classical is has been proven to kind of um more or less kind of as you said stimulate the brain Mm -hmm. and kind of you know it, it is definitely something that's that's positive for sure yeah um and i suppose yeah i mean is there anything else i haven't asked uh, David that maybe I should have before we wrap things up is there anything else that you would like to cover
1: Um well I enjoyed listening to all your podcast so far and um, Melissa there the, um, the girl yes was, Melissa. The, she's sure. involved with Peter House and, yeah. and and the park run and um, Athletics Club I personally myself I won't go into detail too much but I the glass is always half full at the moment I have no plans to drink what's in the glass I'm off. During four years now, and mm-hmm. like unfortunately, it was leading me to be to go slightly astray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I decided um to give up the knock the, it on the head, knock it on the head, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and you're ha- you're uh, as you said happier for
1: exactly happier for like in. Yeah. The, the reason why um, I mentioned my list there was because uh, in terms of the Pieta House Darks and light Walk, it's such a r- remarkable achievement like, for Pieta House to, to um, bring to the public. The uh, awareness. Where, yeah. Exactly, yeah.
0: Because that's what it's all about, I think, at the end of the day, is, is to make people aware that, you know, everything isn't always okay on mm-hmm. the surface or if it is looks like on the surface it's okay yeah sometimes it's not mm-hmm. so you know always to kind of be aware of that so as you said it is a very important um cause
1: exactly like in terms of um in i I have a daughter in, in, in a clone now who's she um, but she she's good. She's doing good. Like in terms of way you mentioned her, she went to Macbeth yesterday in the Dingle Crow. Like and um, it's it's important. Like um, it's important for people to communicate with each other. Absolutely,
0: like totally agree. I and think, the, I think the, that's that's a very, especially in a modern day where everything is online. Exactly, yeah. It's still important to have these, like we're having here, exactly. conversations sitting down, talking to us without phones in front of us mm-hmm. and screens. And, you know, it's important. And that's one of the reasons why myself and Flora with this podcast is apart from capturing stories from people from Boy like yourself and Melissa mm-hmm. and Richard and all them, it's just to have these conversations documented for posterity because they are so important oh, exactly, we are losing yeah. this medium of of conversation and it's so important to keep that, as you said.
1: Everything involves like looking at a screen, like seeing the words pop up, right? And, like I, you may have noticed this morning when I was being in contact with you, then the voice messages rather than text. because I think it's I'm a talker rather than a texter, and, and like, that's
0: it. And that's and a lot of people are like that too. It's just easier, especially on the likes of WhatsApp, mm-hmm. to just talk instead of typing the whole thing. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I get that, but. Uh, Listen, David, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I think we covered an awful lot of things there and you jogged my memory and sparked a few little (laughs) memories there from from your memories. As uh, people listen to this, hopefully they'll get some memory jails from it as well. So listen, thank you very much. I appreciate it, David. Thank you very much. No problem. Bye-bye. So that's it for this episode, folks. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you like the content, we'd really appreciate it if you could share it. You can follow us on Facebook by searching for Voices of Boyle and you can also contact us on our website by visiting voicesofboyle.com We're always looking for new guests so if you'd like to be on the show or if you know someone who you'd like to join us please reach out to us via our Facebook page or website. Thanks very much and we'll chat to you again soon.